Welcome to the First Baptist Church Podcast. We're excited to share this weekend's conversation with you from Pastor Jerry Hendricks. If you would like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or go to fbcsweetwater.org. When I was in high school, my small town church participated in a cross-cultural revival every summer. It was a tent revival. Now, those are two words you don't hear often anymore, revival. We churches don't do those a lot anymore, and particularly a tent revival. It was outside in the middle of summer, and we went there, and uh, we had a good time. And there were different people who would come and be responsible for doing the speaking and leading the worship during those those, uh, revival times. But there was one person in particular that I remember very well, because he started every message in the same way. And it's something that I've remembered all these years later. He prayed a prayer that was somewhat poetic, had a bit of a rhythm to it, but was very interesting. Before every talk, every night of that revival, he said this, Inspect us, Lord Jesus, and take your divine finger of love. Put it on those things that are low in us, And make them high. Inspect us, Lord Jesus. And take thy divine finger of love. Put it on those things that are high in us. And bring them low. Now I've thought a lot about that prayer for many generations now. I've wondered about the theology of it and what it really meant and if it was accurate, how how solid that theology was. But one of the things that I've thought about that as time has moved on is this. Is that when a person says yes to Jesus and they begin to follow him and begin to discover their role in his kingdom work, there's a balance that we need in our life. And that balance that we ought to be seeking ought to be driven by our relationship with God, not our own esteem, not our own ego or our thoughts or our aspirations. But they ought to be those things that are driven by God with whom we have a relationship with. So frequently... In order to keep myself in check, that prayer comes to mind that I want to make sure that in my life, that I never take things too seriously about what my role in life and what I get to do. At the same time, I do not want to consider myself so low that God does not use my voice and my influence for the kingdom of God. This morning, we want to take an opportunity as we continue a series that we've entitled Love First, and we want to look at one who I believe struggled with this balance that we're talking about, John the Baptist. When we read about John the Baptist, we kind of understand that his role in his ministry was to be the forerunner of Christ. In other words, he was going to be the one who would come into the world, and he would announce in a variety of ways that the Messiah was coming. While he did this, he developed quite a following himself. In fact, so much so that he had his disciples. He had those that were closest to him that he trained and taught in in similar ways to the way that Jesus trained and taught those that followed him. 
I believe it was last week that we read that there was a time when, when Jesus came by and, Gos- and John's gospel records this, that John the Baptist said, look, there goes Jesus, you go follow him. So we see something about his life, this balance in his life and his understanding of what God had called him to do. His purpose and his role. If you have a text this morning, we want to look at this verse in John chapter 3, the gospel of John chapter 3, and the scripture will also be on our screens for you if you don't have a, a device or a Bible to read along in your own, uh, on your own accord there. It says in John chapter 3, verse 22, it says, After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and he baptized Now John was also baptizing at Anon and near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were coming to him to be baptized. This was before he was put in prison. An argument developed between some of of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look. He's baptizing, and now everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I have said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. And is now complete. He must become greater, and I must become less. In this story, what we capture for ourselves is the, is the role that John the Baptist had in the kingdom of God, and it challenges us, I believe, to begin to understand our own role. As we've said that in the last few weeks, that under, in understanding this first love kind of response to God, we understand that we ought to be, as believers in Christ, the first responders of God's, world, God's love to the world. In God is love, and it's through that love that we discover ourself in Him and understand who He is. And so we begin to live our life in ways in where we want to love first and then figure out how we begin to do that. And not worry about that response, but just let that be our first reaction as we encounter people throughout our life. John the Baptist demonstrates this kind of life for us. As he responds to God's call and he discovered his specific role. You see, all of us, as we begin to respond to Christ and begin to live our life in this world, and we begin to understand Him, there's that voice that is created in us that God expects us to use into the world. Now, it looks differently for everyone. Everyone has a different responsibility, and we see this sometimes in Scripture when we hear people talk about it, that they have different roles. Paul the Apostle talked about that. He wasn't going to be concerned about people being drawn to him and attracted to him in the way, specific way that he was going to do ministry. He described very clearly that some were going to water and some were going to plant seeds and some were going to reap a harvest. That's a picture of what our life is like in the world that we live in and as we become followers of his. All of us have something that we can do. All of us have something that we can contribute. And we want to find that role. We want to discover it. We want to begin to learn about it and develop it. And then we want to share it with the world. We depend upon that when we start talking about the the kingdom of God and how God works in the life of his church. Paul describes that life as a body. 
as a physical body, that all of us have a certain role and responsibility that we all fulfill. And when we don't fulfill that role, then it's as if we're going into the world and we're challenged because we can't do everything that we ought to do. As God speaks to you and God begins to help you understand what your role is, what your voice is, we need desperately for you to share that with the world in the specific ways that God has equipped you. I probably haven't said this in a while, but you know, I've never been invited to be a part of the choir. Well, maybe I have, but it was just a joke. They don't want me to sing in the choir. They've never invited me to play an instrument. We didn't have a drummer for a while. I was never asked to play drums. It wasn't that they didn't love me. They knew that that wasn't my voice. That wasn't my role. All of us have something that we contribute to the kingdom of God through the life of the church. And we need to discover that. And God needs us to discover that in order that he might become known to the world. As we begin to to work our way into that and begin to develop that and understand that and sense what God is doing in us, then we come to that place where we begin to realize and struggle maybe with that balance. And we've seen it happen not just in, uh, in the life of John the Baptist where his disciples, those who he was closest to, I think that they, really, they genuinely struggled with this idea that this, the one who was coming was taking away people from his congregation, from his discipleship, uh, from his leadership. And so it was bothering them. And so it was with that heart that they came to him and they, they pointed it out that, look, there's people who are leaving us and they're joining this one that you baptized. And so while we've tried to learn from you, John, maybe we've missed the point. Maybe somewhere along the line something slipped in our learning and we, we just missed it. We, we, we somehow skipped, skipped over that lesson and we didn't follow the process. And, and we've, we've come to follow you, John, and we, we wanted you to pour your life into us. What is it about this one that you baptized? Tell us why people are leaving us and joining him. And then John, he used something that's rather descriptive to the Jewish world that might not have been as descriptive to us when he said that he was simply the one who was there to assist the bridegroom. That was some language that the Jews had used in the Old Testament in helping them understand their relationship to God. It made them help them to understand and lean into the very special relationship as his chosen people at that time uh, and, and it described that relationship for them. And so he uses that language so he can kind of soften that to his disciples and help them to understand that he he didn't come to be the bridegroom. He came to be the one who would assist the bridegroom. And because he was there to do that, he not only fulfilled his role, but he fulfilled fulfilled his role in the world, but he fulfilled the role for someone else because he was willing to take a lesser role. One of the things that I think that happens sometimes in our life and in our experiences is we forget which role we're supposed to play. One of the things that I want to describe for you this is that we have a responsibility in this love-first reality where we begin to lead others to discover love first. One of the pictures that we've, we've seen this morning are students being baptized. And one of the things that we want you to know is that in that experience, there were a lot of people who had influence in that experience that they shared this morning. There are families. There's the ministry of the church. 
There were students in our student ministry who invited these students to come be a part of, of a program that we have. And through that program, we're able to hear some teaching and understand more about the gospel. And they, they begin to become friends with one another. These, many of the students who participated in this, not just up here on stage, but also backstage and with the baptism portion, they are their student leaders on Wednesday night. We all have a process in seeing the kingdom of God become a reality. And then occasionally we have the opportunity to see that firsthand. So maybe you're not, maybe you've come to church before and you've never heard people clap after a baptism. I know uh, there was a time in my experience where that was the, a new to me and a first time experience, but I want you to know it is a completely appropriate experience because we have the opportunity to celebrate what God has done in someone's life. It's also a reminder to us that. Not only has brought God brought us to a certain place of significance and role in that relationship with Him, but there's so much more ground to cover. So, much more, so many more opportunities for us to learn and to grow and develop our relationship. And just as John had his disciples that he brought around him and he trained them and prepared them for what was going to be next in their ministry and in their life, we also know very clearly probably that Jesus had his disciples around him. And Jesus poured his life into him. So this picture of a relationship with God and discovering a role and fulfilling that role is really uh, it's, it's formed in this idea of learning to be a disciple of Jesus. And then the most important verse that I believe that's there is verse 30. I know a couple of weeks ago when we started this series, I said a verse that you ought to memorize if you memorize verses. Or if you'd like to have that receive that challenge, is 1 John 4 21, no, 419. It's on uh, it should be at the bottom of your program outline. It says, We love because he first loved us. We love because God first loved us. But this last verse, this verse 30 that we just read uh, a moment ago, John uh, brought it to, a, to, to one central thought when he said this. He said, For you to understand. And I know that you're struggling with this. But for you to understand, to his disciples, I must become less in order that Jesus, this one, might become greater. We have to understand what that looks like. Because sometimes we live in a world where that principle isn't necessarily in play. Because we have things like this. We have a stage and we have a light. You know there's more light on me than on you. I have a microphone and you don't. Uh, sometimes it's very easy for us to distort what having that voice looks like. And so we elevate someone, not just because they're on a stage, but we elevate them in our mind, in our life, and in our thoughts. We consider their thoughts maybe more important than what they should be. We need to understand that our relationship and our role is learning what it means to live less. In that less kind of lifestyle, one, some versions say that we must decrease in order that Christ must increase. We must become invisible that God might become visible. We move into the background that Jesus, so that Jesus might move to the forefront. Because when it's all said and done, what matters most is what Jesus has said and what Jesus has done and how we have responded to that. There are those who are in those places that lead us to those points, that lead us to those realities. And some of you, as we've already said, have led others to those places. But none of those things that we have done 
have been to make our name great. They've all been done to make God's name great through His Son, Jesus Christ. When we have the opportunity, we, we look for ways that we might explore that and understand that and receive that into our life in some deeper kinds of ways. And one of the ways that we do that is through baptism. We've already shared in that this morning. We've already had that experience where we've had the opportunity to observe that. And I don't know if you heard Teak when he described that to each student, that what they experience is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's what we want to understand. That's the voice that we need to hear. That's the lesson that we need to learn. That's the part of us becoming less that Jesus might become great. But then we also have a time that we call communion. And we don't do it every Sunday here. We do it frequently, and we, we, do, we try to do it every time that we have a baptism. Because we want students to be able to have their first communion with us on the day that they were baptized. It doesn't always work out that way in our schedule. But we make it sync up just as much as, that we can, as much as we can. So when we take communion, and we'll do that in just a moment, uh, we try to be very clear about what this means to us. That is that picture, and it, it helps us to remember that time that Jesus spent with his disciples. And that time that he spent with his disciples, he was teaching them and training them. And they were in this upper room. As they had this meal together, this, what we might consider a fellowship meal together around a celebration... He took the elements that were on a table and took the opportunity to teach them a lesson. It was going to be a lesson that would be riveted in their mind, riveted in their heart, and something that we continue to do today in remembrance of what Jesus said and described to them on that day. The elements that we use are juice and crackers. They're not the same as what Jesus was serving on his table. But they're elements for us that help us to remember and to connect with that. So as we experience in just a moment a time of communion, a couple of things that we want to make clear. One is, it's your time to connect with God. It's your time to make yourself lesser and Jesus greater. It's time to reflect on who and where you really are in this world in relationship to Him. And in that, and in that experience, always understanding what John the Baptist said here, that we do all of these things that we might become less so that He might become great. But as we do this, is also we do it as a family. We do it as a family of believers who believe that Jesus Christ came and he died and he was resurrected for us that we might know life in the same way that he knew life. And that's a celebration for us. So as we pass these plates in just a moment, feel free to take the element that's there and participate in this in any way that you feel led and you desire. We want you to participate in what God has done and what God is doing as we celebrate communion together. If our deacons that are going to be helping serve would uh, meet me at the front and we'll share a time of communion. As the disciples were gathered around him, he took the bread. And the Bible says that he took that bread and he broke it in front of them so that they might all see it. And then he said to them these words. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you.